Hi guys, it's Jibs. And Ibuka. I don't know why Obi is talking like that. From the Popcorn for Dinner podcast, I want to tell you about a new Spotify feature. If you like this show, okay, fuck this. Why are we talking like this? <laughs> Hi guys, it's Jibs. And Ibuka. From the Popcorn for Dinner podcast, I want to tell you about a new Spotify feature. Yo, if you like the show, you can tap the bell on our page and then you automatically get notified about new episodes. All new episodes from the shows you follow can be found in the What's New feed on home. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you can also rate and review the podcast. So go ahead and do that now. 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 Before the episode starts. Thank you very much, guys. You heard. Uh huh. Look at you. You're 600 years old and you've pissed off your fucking boyfriend, the president, and he's sending the feds on you and you're wriggling, but you're in too deep. Everyone knows. And now you're trying to counter, but you put Shiv in there and she's a fucking dipshit. I hear no one respects her. Everyone's digging her out and you're losing control and everyone hates you. Let's just close the deal with Josh. He fucking hates you too. Your anti Semitic fucking bagel and gold Yo, bullshit. Oh, fuck off! <sighs> You don't even know what you're saying half the time. It's like you, you're, you're fucking losing it, man. You got water. Ask your fucking iPhone. Welcome back to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Bankole Mokwede. And today on this episode, Obira and I are going to talk about the five movies that we're looking forward to the most coming this fall. And then we're obviously going to talk about Succession Season 3, Episode 4. And, of course, today... I'm joined from my private island, mate. Come on, show me some respect. It's Obiara George Piaccio. By the way, do we call it Autumn or Fall? Fall, isn't it? I think they're fall movies. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm good, man. Um, guess what I watched this weekend? Well, I watched a few things, but I also watched The Town, or I rewatched The Town, because I'm preparing for... They get better than me, cocksucker! <laughs> they just call it sucker! <laughs> <laughs> That was my terrible, my very terrible boss. Little Boston, boss man. Shout out to Fami. Yeah, shout out to Fami. Boston is great, man. Um, but yeah, to prepare for Jamie Renner's role in, or his performance in Mayor of Kingston, I went to rewatch the sound. Incredible Renner in that movie. Incredible Renner. He's, Got nominated, didn't he? Yeah, he's so good in that movie. Anyway, we have a lot to get through this episode, so let's just get to it. Like I alluded to in the intro, we're talking about four movies this episode. We're just going to give the top five movies we're looking forward to and big disclaimer for all the listeners when i say fall we're kind of really just talking about really movies that are coming out between october and january and movies that we expect to be big players during the awards races so like oh i didn't know it was supposed to be oscar <laughs> oscar movie i just put the first five movies i'm excited for oh my okay well i guess it'd be... literally well okay well you know what obviously like always did not did not read the <laughs> assignment uh i just i every time i just give out homework i give people things to do and they always come back what do we do just ignore it and just like back like shit (laughs) but anyway while i'm very excited for spider-man no way home and i'm sure some people can't wait for matrix resurrections those are not the movies that we're going to talk about this episode or at least that's not what i thought we're going to talk about this episode it was meant to be our film it's not like i've got it's not like I've got into two of those as my five movies. <laughs> it was meant to be our film snob episode, but obviously, obviously I did not understand <laughs> the assignment. Okay, you know what? It's too late now. I'm on the schedule. Let's just get into it. Fuck it, let's go, man. So, let's go. Let's do honorable mentions first. Um, so, for context, these are movies that either didn't make our top five or we've already seen them in the past few weeks and just feel like we need to mention them. 
I'll start. My first honorable mention is Last Night in Soho. I think I mentioned earlier that I've watched this movie. It's an Edgar Wright psychological thriller starring Thomasin McKenzie, Anya Taylor-Joy, Matt Smith, and the late Dame Diana Rake. I've obviously seen this movie. I really liked it, but this is a no-spoiler podcast. So I think anyone should like, really go out and watch that. Obi, okay, what's your number one honorable mention? Last Night in Soho as well. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but I sort of thought we'd use this opportunity to talk about other movies. I think we already touched on Last Night in Soho in another podcast, mm-hmm. previous podcast. So I just thought I'd just like, add it in there. Yeah. Same as French Dispatch. Is that, that's my number two. That's your number two honorable mention. I, I watched the trailer like three times and I just, I, I don't know what that movie is going to be about. I'll tell you this. I, I've seen French Dispatch and I liked it as well. It's a lot of Wes Anderson. Is it? Is it just Wes Anderson? Just like it's a lot. Like yeah, it's Wes Anderson just being a lot of Wes Anderson. Him and Robert Yeoman. I'm going to show you the most symmetric frames ever. Very good performances. Performances from like Chalamet, um, Francis McDormand. It's a big ensemble cast. Yeah, it's it? like everyone puts it, in, but like it's a lot of Wes Anderson. And I, I really like the movie. I'm going to watch it again. What is Timothy Chalamet like? What What is he supposed to be? He's good. He's good. He, he's good. Chalamet. I just have a, Chalamet is good. I have a hard time just. No, no, no. He's, he's a good actor. I just have a hard time trying to pin down what he's supposed to be. He has it. Look, I don't know what it is, but he has it. He's. They had already crowned him as a prince. I hadn't seen it yet because I hadn't seen too many of his stuff. But like, yeah, he, I, he's definitely. I think if you say what is he, I think he's like an indie darling who is not is getting he like his own. Like new Heath Ledger or something. Well, I don't think so because Heath Ledger was doing a lot of mainstream stuff, wasn't he? He was in rom coms. Yeah, like and before, what was that movie that he did before? I forgot. Broke back. No, even before that, there was this sort of movie. I forgot what he did, but he had that sort of like boyish sort of charm as well. Hmm. Or young Leo? I think I think Leo is the person that Charlie is most um compared to. Okay. He's the one that's most compared. I haven't seen him really do the Titanic role. Not yet. He needs to Yeah, he's I hadn't seen it before, but seeing him in back to back in Dune and, and Friend Dispatch, I'm like, oh, okay, fair enough. Gosh, Dean man, if I if I see one more fucking vision of Zendaya again, I'm going to lose my fucking shit. <laughs> so my second honorable mention is the last duel. Again, it's another movie that I have seen. And like last night in Soho, nobody has seen this movie. This movie's both made zero dollars at the box office. But um, Last Duel is a historical drama film by Ridley Scott about the last sanctioned duel in France, centered around the rape accusation, starring like Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Jodie Comer, Adam Driver, and just like a lot of supporting character actors. I really like the movie. I think just great acting from all the movie stars, great directing from, from Ridley Scott, but nobody wants to see it. And maybe when it comes out on VOD in a few months, more people will watch it. Um, what's your last honorable mention? You're going to be surprised by this. I doubt it. West Side Story. Oh, okay. I, okay. Spielberg, isn't it? Yeah. It's a big surprise. Is it the Spielberg of it that, 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 that puts you? Well, I'm not a big musical guy and stuff, but I just, I watched her and I was like, hmm, maybe I'll give this a go. Cause like, I don't know, man. Like I just, don't, don't defend yourself. It's okay. It's okay. This is a musical friendly well, podcast. It's a, it's a okay. remake, isn't it? So yeah. Do you know anything about the original? I know it's between two gangs and that's it. Yeah. That's all I know as well. And I know a lot of like things have been, it's been the influence also mm-hmm. of a lot of things, mm-hmm. uh, just a lot of like pop culture. I, th- I think even, um, what's that Michael Jackson 
um, music video between two gangs. Was it bad? Uh, is that bad? I think that's bad. I think that's bad, yeah. They're all sort of like adapted from concept of West Side Story. Someone important directed the bad video. It wasn't... I'm going to check in real time for who that was. Um, this thing. What's his face? It wasn't Fincher, was it? No, I don't think... I think that was my first guess, but I don't think Fincher directed bad. I think it was someone else. What's Scorsese? I knew, yeah. Ah, what's Scorsese? Yeah. Would you want to direct music videos? Yeah. I've always wondered, like... I was watching an interview uh, with What's-His-Face, um, Guy Ritchie. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how... If you watch a Guy Ritchie movie, he needs a Guy Ritchie movie. And he said, like, mm-hmm. the whole transition from uh, music videos to movies sort of influenced the way he edited, mm-hmm. edited stuff and filmed stuff and just put stuff together. So I always wondered, like, how that transition... And there have been a lot of um, just directors, like Fincher as well, our boy, yeah, our boy who you know, went that route as well. So I've just wondered, like, because you're, you're kind of making, like, a short film, well, a short, short, short film, aren't you? Yeah, it's a very... It's a different... Well, not different... Not entirely different skill set, but it's not, like, I can direct a movie, I can direct a music video. You need to... Right. It's interesting, like, for example, Edgar Wright's basically practice baby driver on like a couple of music videos a few years back like he was like basically doing the proof of that's concept. like a big that's a good point that's like a big music video isn't it yeah. because the whole stuff goes with the with the music on there mm-hmm. but yeah well i'm i'm very surprised that that was that west side story was you it was on like my honorable honorable mention i didn't like it was maybe well my honorable honorable mention is the heart of the it's the heart of the fall Wait, but well, you've seen the Harder Do Fall. Though. Yeah, but I've seen it already, but I just want to mention that. <laughs> yeah, let's actually just I shout really, out the Harder Do Fall because everyone was so fucking cool. I really, I really fucking enjoyed it. Gosh, what a movie, man. It's on Netflix, guys. Go see it. Everyone's so cool, man. Bring back fucking Westerns, please. Okay, my last honorable mention is Being the Ricardos. What? This movie only makes this list because it's a Sorkin joint. It's um, Aaron Sorkin's latest, or rather his newest movie. Written and directed by him, starring Nicole Kidman, J.K. Simmons, and Javier Bardem, hopefully reprising his role from Dune. You are so badass in Dune, man. He was really good in Dune. So, the movie is about a week on production during the I Love Lucy show, about Lucille Ball, played by Nicole Kidman, and her husband, Desi Anas, played by Javier Bardem, and I think kind of like the spotlight that was on them, and their political struggles, and their life, family struggles, and whatever. But I'm really intrigued about the whole because everything is set across like a week of TV production, which is like table read, rehearsal, shoot, Monday to Friday. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of reminds me of like the Steve Jobs movie, like the way that was structured, how everything was behind like every Apple launch. So I think, and again, it's Sokin, who is my like my favorite screenwriter, living screenwriter. So he's one reason that is on my honorable mentions. I didn't love the trailer. And I know nothing else about the movie. Great screenwriter. <laughs> <laughs> nice back on a compliment. All right, into my top five. Top five. Give, well, it, give it to me. You've already, you've already said um, no Matrix. No, 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 no. If Matrix is your top five, say okay, Matrix is your top well, five. Matrix is on there because fucking like I don't know what they're going to do with this, like the Wachowskis, mm. but I'm quite interested to see what direction they go in terms of just resurrecting new IP and bringing it back to life. Was it 20 years later or something? Especially how bad, well, you know, poorly received the last one was. So I've watched the first one 
and I watched the second one. I probably need to rewatch that. But the third, I mean, the first one is one of the best movies ever made. So yeah, and it's just like the whole gang is returning. So you know, Keanu Reeves, Karen Moss, Karen Moss. Thank you. Uh, well, you got Yaya Abdul. You know, he's, he's supposed to be Morpheus at the time, isn't he? I didn't like that. Well, I loved Yaya's Morpheus, but I didn't like that Loris Fishburne did return. That you was... don't, mate. You don't want fucking Loris Fishburne fucking getting on wires and jumping up and down. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't have to do jumping. He's he too old for that shit. Yeah, man. but he can sit in a chair, man. He needs to. He just needs to be there. He only needs to wear the glasses. Listen, Loris Fishburne just wants to get into set, sit down, act, go home. <laughs> <laughs> he could have done that on Matrix. He doesn't have to be attached to any wires. Or he doesn't have to be jumping up and down. Yeah, but I think I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. One thing you did say it's um it's only Lana that's returning for this. It's not both of them. Ah, uh, so only Lana watches his return. I think she co-wrote the script. So one of the people she's she's directing it by herself. So yeah, okay. My number five is Power of the Dog. Now, this movie makes Hold my on, list before you go. Before I go yeah. forward, what's in between the top five and honorary mention? What's between that? That's where I had Power of the Dog there. Sixth. Okay, six. <laughs> Let's put it as like six. Sixth place. <laughs> That's where I had that. Right Fair. in between. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, like Power of the Dog only makes this list because of the reception it's receiving on like the film festival circuit. Like, I don't know anything about well, it. Well, I thought you don't read. I thought you read critics, Bunkley. No, 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 no. I'm not reading. I don't, I'm not reading critics. Yeah, There's not reading critics. Right oh, and I don't read any reviews. I'm, t- I'm going to form my own opinion. Yada yada yada. yada. No, no, no. There's no reading reviews. <laughs> coming on here and lying to our listeners. Can you, can you let me? Can you let me laugh? Can you let me laugh? There's no reading reviews and just knowing what people, that people are talking about the movie. Right. Like here's why I don't like reading reviews before watching something because they tell you why something is good or bad. Okay. You know what you're looking for going in. Okay. Well, if I just know that this movie is being talked about, I go in and everything is hitting me fresh. Like, I'm not looking out for the good things that they said were good or the bad things they said were bad. And again, festivals, like we've seen it, like a movie goes through festivals, it's getting very good reviews or very good reception. And then it comes out and then the reviews like are mixed. Or, they're talking about it's, uh, it could be a best picture winner. So Yeah. Does that work? Probably won't win though. It never works like this. Yeah. So, like I said, I don't know anything about the movie. I've like I stayed away. From, there's a trailer out now. I stayed away from it because I just want to go into the movie blind and just see it. Um, the director. The movie is directed by Jane Campion. It stars Benedict Cumberbatch, real life couple Kirsten Dunst, and our boy, our boy Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons, isn't it? Our boy, as well as Thomasin McKenzie again from um, Last Night in Soho and Jojo Rabbit. And Cody Smith McPhee, and it comes out December first. Um, so you said like lots of the hype has been that like, this could be the best picture winner, and I think in recent mm-hmm. weeks the hype has kind of switched to another movie that is not in my top five, and isn't my sixth either. I don't even know if I'm excited for the movie, but is um Kenneth Branagh's Belfast? Okay, that is now looking to be the like best picture front runner. It's kind of like a semi autobiographical movie about him growing up in Ireland before the um the terrors. The what? The troubles. It stars like the troubles, sorry. Why did I say the terrors? And yeah, let me tell you something, the troubles were not the nicest times in the UK, man. Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling about like when she used to when she was like young and stuff, she used to be spooked out going in the trains because it was Did your mom live in Ireland? No, in London. But like oh. there were bombs and stuff going on around the country. So she's like she used to be spooked out going on trains. I think Kenneth Branagh was like eight or nine just before his family moved from 
from Ireland, from Belfast, when this was happening. Right. Okay, so number four, what's your number four? My number four is House of Gucci. Um, well, this is, oh, see that smirk on your face. I don't know what this movie is going to be about. I've got a rough idea that it's supposed to be about like a murder that happens in the Gucci empire, which sort of made Gucci what it, what, what it is today or something. I don't know anything about the family or I don't, well, I don't wear Gucci. So, you know, I don't <laughs> Is that like? Is that, is that? Do you have like? You said it like it's a stance. Like, oh, I have this stance against Gucci. Let's say you don't. <laughs> I don't really know much about much about them. About about the family, father, the son, and the house of Gucci. This is my number two. Number two. So this is my number two. Boy, this movie, man. I like you said. I do not know what to expect at all. This could legit be one of the best films of the year, and like a terrible campy mess. Like I don't. Like, yeah, I've stayed away from, like, the, the facts that the movie is, is based around. I don't really know who is trying to kill who and whatever. You get an idea from that from the trailer and everything. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's my number two, man. It's, like, um, well, it's directed by Ridley Scott. Do you want to tell people who the guys are starring in this movie? Well, uh, it's got Adam Driver. Generational talent. Who's just great. He's, like, chameleon, man. He just sort of morphs into every single thing that he gets into and it's got the girl lady gaga just making oh. man she's going to be one of those people who like you know grammy she's going to win an egot isn't she mm-hmm. eventually well yeah she's only what a tony and an emmy away away like she got an oscar yeah for shallow for the song fucking song who cares about songs it doesn't I mean, matter no no, no no but egot does not matter you can get egot in anything <laughs> oh she got no, actually, I still haven't watched um, A Star is Born. I'm not surprised. You have no one. Well, I've heart. watched the old one. That's the thing. Anyway, yeah, back to Gaga. So Gaga. was not my choice to watch it. I'll just tell you that. Which girl dragged you to watch it? <laughs> just bleep this part out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's continue. So Adam Driver, Lady Gaga, Jared Leto, Jeremy Irons, Salma Hayek, and Al Pacino. Jeremy Irons is cool. Jared Leto is, oh, gosh. Oscar winner, though. Oh, yeah, he won for this fucking movie, <laughs> didn't he? Um, Dallas Bias Club, didn't he? You can he? never Gosh, take that from that him. Was... Yeah, I mean, look, like I said, it's my number two. The two trailers for this movie have a combined 17 million views on, on YouTube. So, like, I'm sure people know about this film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm ready. It comes out November 24th. I'll be there opening weekend to to see what if this movie is what a mess. or if it's... The thing is that I think this movie can't be, like, one thing it can't be is boring. Just for the accents alone, it can't be a boring movie. My number four. My number four is King Richard, man. Will Smith, baby. Oh, <laughs> I saw that trailer the other day, and I was like, "This is going to be a bad movie." <laughs> it's a good movie. I'm, I can, I'm going to tell you, that it's going to be a good movie. Good movie. So obviously, King Richard is the story about Richard Richard Williams, the father of Serena and Venus Williams. Um, I think this is it, man. I think this is the movie that like Will Smith Oscar. He's not going to win it, but well, I mean, I can't even, we don't know. Maybe they'll be like, it's time. It's time, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think like Will has been underserved by like terrible scripts in the last few years. And I think, well, I think script Will Smith has been the master of his own undoing and ridicule over the past 16 years in terms of things he picks and projects he undertakes. So, yeah. 
I mean, it's it's obviously well entrained that you hate black men and you feel the need to put all the problems on him. I like Jimmy Fox. Okay. Is that your one black friend? Like, I don't know you said it, like, <laughs> go have a black friend. <laughs> That's the one Where guy do you I stand think. on the focus divide? I love toy. Of course, I fucking love focus, man. So, what are you talking about? Like, focus is, is only oh, Focus is okay. But, like, there's After Earth. Yeah, after, after it is 2010. After it is, we all know why he did After Earth. He was trying to give. He was trying to give his son a franchise. That's what he did after Earth. Like he's had it back ten about years. After Earth, that thing was supposed to be like. It was supposed to be like After Earth, like an amusement park, and After Earth cable channel. Yeah, exactly. He was trying to give his son a franchise. No, no, no. It wasn't. It was supposed to be like what's the next level after a franchise, like whatever the fuck that is. Yeah. Do you know who co-wrote? Or I don't know if he co-wrote or directed that movie. Was it M Night? Yeah, that's an M Night movie, man. M Night, man. Gosh, M Night is good when he when he has his own IP. No, that's not true. M Night has had his own IP and he's maybe maybe he's made three Most good of the movies. Time when he has when he doesn't have a lot of money to just throw away, that's when he's the best. Like he's made maybe three good movies in his entire career. Let's calm down. That is such a bad shout, man. Okay, name name well, name was Six Sense. Obviously. Um on for was what's Unbroken. Unbreakable, oh, sorry. Unbreakable. Unbreakable and there's splits. Mm-hmm. And what's the fourth one? <sighs> The last ever okay. no um uh glass ish was that good I didn't watch no that. I think glass was the one that was bad in that trilogy oh wow hmm see okay anyways I think this movie could be it I think this movie could get will um an Oscar nom I don't know if it wins I don't I think this year nobody really knows how it's going to shape up yet is it going to be better than tell the truth yes. Yes, okay. and like, but even from the, I don't know, I don't know what trailer you saw. I think that was just your Will Smith bias. No, 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 I, I saw a couple tell, of trailers. I saw a couple of trailers. The trailer is not like you can tell that even if it's a competent movie, the trailer is a competent movie at the very like it shows a competent movie at the very whether it's good or bad, I don't know yet. Um, but it has my boy, man. It has Johnny Bernthal who makes everything he's in better. Like John Bernthal is. Any movies, and I just feel it's going to like snap and get some hammer and just whack some guy's face. Yeah, but he's not doing that. He's telling you he's different, man. John Bertho can be in Ford versus Ferrari and also Wolf of Wall Street. I haven't watched that. Actually. He can be in King Richard, Richard, and he can also be Punisher. John Bertho makes everything better. You're such a scumbag in Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Fun fact: Do you know the two times Will has lost the Best Actor Oscar? He's lost to black men. So I'm guessing one was was one Ali, and that was Fox. Mm-mm. The first time he lost was Ali, and he lost to Denzel for Training Day. Training Day, right? Then I think Pursuit of Happiness, he lost to Forrest Whitaker for Last King of Scotland. Have you seen Last King of Scotland? No. <sighs> Tough movie. Just <laughs> yeah, just haven't. Anyway, King Richard will be out on the nineteenth of November. What's your number three? My number three is a movie. By Guillermo del Toro called Nightmare Alley. Oh, no way! Absolute way, mate. That's my number three as well. Is it? Yes. Two for one. Oh, I man. So it's about. I think in all our times of doing this podcast, this is the one moment where, like, this is the reason we're doing this podcast. Everything just comes together. The fact that we both even have it at number three, that's so weird. I just saw it's like what Bradley Cooper, who's just great, Kate yeah. Blanchett, who's like the best. Bradley actress. Cooper is such a fave, man. I think Kate Blanchett is like the best actress alive. She's also so good. She's so good. Is that a strong claim? Yeah, because Meryl Streep is in her life. Hmm. I think Kate Blanchett is the best actress alive. And 
It's got the weirdo game with its horror. And is this like his first movie since Shape of Water? Yeah. So, you know, I've only seen one Guillermo de Toro movie. Which one did you see? Shape of Water. You saw Shape of Water? And we both have our thoughts on that movie. <laughs> like, we, <laughs> we both have strong feelings about that I've movie. Seen, I've seen two. Like, I've obviously seen, like, Hellboy in passing. I must have seen his Blade movie in passing. But, like, to actually sit down and watch a Guillermo de Toro movie, I think Shape of Water is the first one I saw. Have you not seen Pan's Lambreth? Yeah, I haven't seen that. Even though that's like, I think that was. Sars, okay. The guy's weird, man. <laughs> Speaking about Nightmare Alley, so like he said that this is, this movie doesn't have any horror oh. in it. Like it's just a straight up psychological thriller, which makes me more excited for it. Which makes me so excited. Man. Yeah, like fuck all the horror, just give me straight up psychological thriller. Um, yeah, like it's based on a 1946 novel. There was a 1947 movie. It's basically about. Uh, a con man trying to con people to, into giving him money or something. Yeah, so the only um, the only synopsis that's been released for the movie is this. Stan Carlyle, Bradley Cooper, an ambitious Connie with a talent for manipulating people with a few well-chosen words. Like me. Hooks up with Dr. Lilith. Dr. Lilith Britta, played by Kate Blanchett, a psychiatrist who is even more dangerous than he is. That's all we know. And you know what? I'm here. I'm here. The cast is, oh my God, the cast. You know me, for personally, whenever I see just, like I said before, whenever I just see great actors or movie stars together, I'm just like, yes, please. So the cast mm. for this is obviously led by Bradley Cooper and Kate Blanchett. Then it has Willem Dafoe, um, Rooney Mara, Tony Collette, Richard Jenkins, who is obviously um, Guillermo de Toro staple, and Ron mm. Perlman, who was Hellboy. Hellboy, yeah. Then it has like some very well-known character actors like Clifton Collins Jr., Tim Blake Nelson. If you don't know any of those names, just Google them and you will know their faces. Mm-hmm. Holt McElhaney from Mindhunter. It was Bill Tench on Mindhunter. Mm-hmm. David Strathairn, Mary Steinberg. So like, this is like just like, yeah, these are like 10 actors that I like. Give me this movie. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very surprised that we both have it at number three. And it, it will be released on December 17th. Oh, so is it is it on is it in um, theaters or is it like yeah, it's a, a, the, a theaters okay. movie? Right. I think every movie I've mentioned so far is a theaters movie except Power of the Dog, which comes out on Netflix on December first. Every other one is a theater movie. What's your number two then? Um, my number two, we've already mentioned it, is The House of Gucci. Spider Man No Way Home. So that's my number two. But I wasn't allowed to include it in the list. How do you feel about Andrew Garfield's Spider Man? By the way. I think he was a good... Well, I mean, John Graff is a good actor, a great actor. I think he was a good Spider-Man in bad movie. Right, because I feel he's going a massive bad shake from the public on how he's like the worst Spider-Man ever and stuff, which... Well, might... I mean, it's, it's because, one, I mean, Tom Holland is, is one we have now and he's objectively a very good Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And Tobey Maguire is the one we all grew up with. So even if he was bad, which I don't think he was, but even if he was bad, you have nostalgia. So like... Andrew Garfield is literally the, the weird middle child. Yeah, I guess so. What's your number one? What's the movie that you're most looking forward to this fall? I think this I think this is both both of, of our number ones. This is definitely th- let's, mm, definitely let's don't look up. Okay, okay, okay. Leo J-O. Because you've been you've been kind of you've been kind of cold on, on Don't Look Up in previous conversations. No, no, no. I'm cold on Jennifer Lawrence, not Don't Look Up. <laughs> Wow, and that's the end of this podcast. <laughs> Speaking of very attractive <laughs> women, the town, um, Blake Lively, she 
understood the assignment in that movie. What are you trying to say about my girl? That she did what I don't know why she got shit for that for her role when it came out, but like oh, yeah, I heard about that actually. She she did her job. Anyway, number one, we both have the same hold number on, hold on. one. Before before we go, this have you seen this movie, A Simple Favor with um Hannah McKendrick. Yeah, for and that's Henry just Golden. like yes, yes, I've seen that movie. Yeah. Anyway, I've seen it like three times. And your golden as well is pretty. Do pretty you just do you just I love Anna Kendrick, but do you just fast forward through the Anna Kendrick sections just to get to Big Library? It's actually a good thriller. Yes, but if you go to the third time, do you just it's fast a nice watch and get to the um, Blake Lively part? I like Henry Golden as well. He's a good actor. Yeah, he's okay. Uh, no, that that sounded very dismissive. I, I didn't mean it like that. I meant like he's okay. I didn't mean like oh, he's okay. Um, yeah, okay. Talk about Don't Look Up, and then I'll talk about Don't Look Up. Big ensemble cast. Big ensemble cast. Adam McKay. He needs to get his shit back on track after the fucking mess that was Vice. I don't know what you're talking about because Vice was Vice was incredible. Vice <laughs> so, was not incredible. I don't what know what you Vice was meh. That was a meh movie. Vice was not a meh movie. But and he has Leo with this weird... So I don't have facial hair, man, but... If I were to have facial hair, it definitely would look like whatever the fuck Leo has in that movie. Well, look. Leo has been... Hold up in a bunker somewhere, trying to stop and um, save the world from being blown up by a meteorite. He doesn't really care about his facial hair. <laughs> so like, I haven't really read much into the premise, mm-hmm. but the ensemble cast is just insane, man. Leo, yeah. J Law, Timothy Chalamet again, Chris Evans, Jenna Hill, Meryl fucking Streep, Himesh Patel, Kid. Cudi. I mean, wait. First of all, we should we should mention that Meryl Streep is playing the president. And Jonah Hill is her son and her chief of staff. That's just insane. Kate Blanchett, Tyler Perry, Matthew Perrin from Friends. Ron Perlman again, Mark Rylance again, Ariana Grande, Kid Cudi. It also has Tyler Perry, who I hope is reprising his role from Gone Girl. Yeah, he needs to act in more stuff now because he's a much better actor than a director. <laughs> it's also a much better actor when he's not wearing drag. Um... Yeah, I mean, don't look up. I think I mentioned my excitement for this movie in our first ever podcast episode. Like, mm-hmm. So I've been excited for this movie for over a year. It's Adam McKay's sci-fi black comedy satire about two low-level astronomers who try to use a media tour to warn the world about an approaching comet that will destroy Earth. That's it. Is this supposed to be like his, uh, his r- uh, flavor or remix of like Doctor Strangelove or something? I haven't seen Doctor Strange Love, so I can't, I can't say. It's probably going to be a lot of a satire about, like, the American government and, like, mm-hmm. media. Like, there's a clip that has that they released, which has Leo and Jennifer Lawrence talking to Meryl Streep and Jonah Hill in the White House about a one day about this thing. And it gets to a point where you just realize that he just said, okay, Jennifer Lawrence, Jonah Hill, just go back to back. Just, just go off. Like, just freestyle, just improv. Because they... Mm-hmm. I heard there's an asteroid or a comet or something that you don't like the looks of. <sighs> Tell me about it. You got 20 minutes. 20 minutes? Go. <clears throat> uh, a comet between 5 to 10 kilometers across that we estimate came from the Oort cloud. And using Gauss's method of orbital determination and the average astrometric uncertainty of 0.04 whoa, 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 whoa. I'm so what? bored. Just tell us what it is. This, this what? Seriously, stop. What Dr. Mindy is trying to say well, is that there's a comet headed directly towards Earth. And then what happens? Like a tidal wave? It will be far more catastrophic. There will, there will be mile-high tsunamis. So how certain is this? There's 100% 
the certainty of impact. Please, don't say 100%. We just call it a potentially significant event. But it isn't potentially going to happen. 99.78% to be exact. Oh, great. Okay, so it's not 100%. I'm gonna call it 70% and let's just, let's move on. But it's not even close to 70%. Let's just use like 60% as a working number. Okay, we're gonna get our own scientists on this, you know, no offense. Dr. Mindy is a tenured professor of astronomy at Michigan State. I'm sorry, did you say Michigan State? Exactly, they have an excellent astronomy department. You say so. You want to see my SAT scores? I'm sorry. Who is she? Are you her son? I'm chief of staff boy with the dragon tattoo, so I'm doing fine. How many tampons can you fit in that bag? As many as I want. At this very moment, I say we sit tight and assess. Sit tight and assess. Sit tight and, and assess. You want us to sit tight. And then assess. So, like, I hope I'm proud that it has this great cast of Great actors. I'm just excited for like the Zadam McKay. So he's always funny, and the the comedic kind of thrill that he gives them. Was that your number one as well? Yeah, that's my number one as oh, well. Oh, okay. May we're vibing on this one, on this episode now. What's going yeah, on? and he arrives on Netflix on December 24th. So that's your Christmas viewing if you want to. Um, when is Killers of the Flower Moon coming out? That's next year, isn't it? So we we are sure it's not coming out this year. Fingers crossed. I mean, I guess it's too late now. We'll know by now if it's coming out this year. So, Killers of the Flower Moon is... Scorsese's Scorsese's next film with DiCaprio and De Niro. And again, our boy, Leo DiCaprio, stood away and gave this guy the main role, Jesse fucking Clemens. Leo was like, nah, 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 nah. I'll be a supporting actor. You take the main main role in this. I'd love to see, like, the next, like, 10 years of, like, Leo's career and, like, what sort of projects he... Sort of engages with, or yeah, I mean, he's still Leo is Leo is still mid forty. Like, is he? Yeah, or maybe fifteen? No, I think he's forty five. Well, he's only forty. He's only forty six. Yeah, so like, he still has ten years of being the Leo from the last ten years if he wants to. Like, he has ten years before he gets to Brad Pitt, which is like to show you how young, quote unquote, Leo still is. Um, do you know what is still young? Or still young? Leo's girlfriend. Well, he's trying to take um, Jeff Bezos' girl, isn't he? So. No, I think she's too old for him. Oh, sure. That's it. Those are the movies we're looking forward to. Okay. Let's talk about Succession. Let's go. I'm going to take a quick break. I want to come back. We're going to talk about Succession episode four from season three. Hi, guys. Hope you're enjoying the episode. I'm not, but Banky has a gun to my head, so I have to do this. But if you want to raise awareness so someone can rescue me, you can engage with the podcast on social media using the hashtag, hashtag P4D. P4D being self-explanatory popcorn for dinner. But, is that know. a better hashtag than hashtag popcorn for dinner? I don't, I, you know my choice. My choice is hashtag popcorn for dinner, but some people don't have faith in the spelling ability of the masses. So they gave you uh, guys fair. P4D. Just use whatever hashtag you guys want and just engage with us on social media. Yes, follow the Twitter, Instagram. Don't forget to tap the bell icon on Spotify. Rate a review on Apple Music and tell your friends. Talk about popcorn for dinner. Dad, you're the silverback, but I put you in the ground that day and you don't get to come back. You understand? And I've got the resin under my thumb, I've got the family, I've got little Greggy, I've got the fucking tattoo man and the tack. You're high and dry. Face it, son. You lost. Obi, are you ready? Let's fucking go. Are you a sturdy birdie? 
I am a sturdy Brody. Say it three times in the mirror. Brody, sturdy, Brody, sturdy, uh, Brody, sturdy. Okay, so <laughs> I'm sorry for cutting you up. I'm going to just give a quick episode recap. And then after that, we'll just go into talking about I have a question I want to discuss with you. So in this episode, Logan and Kendall are forced to jointly and in person meet with a major investor to allay his fears and get him to stay with the status quo rather than go to Stewie and Sandy. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Roman tracks down a former homeless person that they got to tattoo Kendall's initials on his head a decade and a half ago. Boy guy. Shiv tries to exert her influence. Greg considers switching sides and Tom has a breakdown. Right, that's, that is the episode. That's episode four. I want to talk to you quickly about Kendall and Logan. Right. And what I believe, what I perceive is a fundamental difference in their negotiating skills and what I think sets Kendall a few steps behind Logan. Go on. So Logan has this thing, which is his simple rule, and which I guess most people think that's the number one rule of negotiating. His thinking is always, what does the other person want and how can I give it to them? And then I sprinkle it to fuck off in there, right? And we've seen this several several times. Like even in this this episode, episode four, he he does it with Greg. He literally tells Greg, "Look, you have leverage. That's fine, but you don't have too much. So go fuck off. Think about what you need and come and tell me. I'll get it to you." He does it to Connor. You see Connor trying to negotiate his thing with with Chief, and he does it to Josh. He says the exact same words to Josh, but his thing is always, "What does this person want, and how can I get it to them?" Mm-hmm. Right? But Kendall. Kind of always employs a different tactic. It, it's kind of like the same. It's funny because it's what Logan said in the episode, like, is this, he has the same destination, but he's walking in a different way. Because Kendall always wants to be everyone's friend, right? He wants to be liked, which apparently is a, is a, is a sickness that he shares with Carl. But this means that he's continually trying to appeal to everyone on like, Either moralistic grounds, like, oh, if it's to shave, like, oh, we can save the victims and we can change the culture of this, com- of this company or whatever. Or he wants to be, he wants to use a friend connection. Like, even with, with Josh, he's like, I like you. Come to my, my 40th birthday party. Like, I, or he's promising this guy some, like, some vague, abstract pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Like, when he's telling, when he tells, for example, Frank, oh, I did it for you or, He's trying to talk to his siblings as like, well, we can divide it like Babylon or whatever. And I think he never, I think this is part of the reason why he failed with his siblings. Like he never says, okay, what do you want? And how can I get that to you and get on your side? He never, he's never had a discussion with Greg. He's never asked Greg, what do you want? And like, he's always just assumed that Greg is his friend, that Greg is his quote unquote G and Greg would be on his side and things would work. And I just find that very interesting in the way both Kendall and Logan enter these negotiations. And I think it's something that Kendall has not... It's weird to say that he hasn't learned that. I'm sure he's what his dad did several times. Maybe he feels like he has a different approach, but it's clearly not working for him. But like Logan is always... And I think this is what part of the reason why Logan is such a straightforward and 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 smart negotiator. And something that Shiv has as well. Shiv always asks, what do you want? Like Shiv is always like, she when when Connor was like, I would like some some concentration. I was like, okay, what what would you want? Like she always asked that. And Kendall, he just believes that everyone is his friend, and everyone either is deluded in the same type of like moralistic savior complex as he is, or 
everyone is his friend and would do it for this reason. And yeah, that was just what do you have any thought? That was just something that came to my mind when I watching this episode. Do you have any thoughts on that? That's a good point. I think Logan just has that experience of because hmm. it's that kind of thing where everything is a transaction and no one, well, according to Logan's sort of twisted point of view, that nothing is really, nothing is really genuine in the sense that like everything is for a price. There's a price. I think even, well, Roman sort of brings up that statement as well that like there's always a price for some for everything Mm -hmm. he's always willing to look for that price and try to negotiate that price with everyone because i think sort of like um piggybacking on your point on kendall just you know we're family and stuff we're friends and help you scratch my back i scratch your back that kind of Mm -hmm. thing and we're doing this because we actually like each other or could like each other and stuff but i think Logan is just a lot more blunt about it in the fact mm-hmm. that we'll not like each other. We don't have to like each other, but... Exactly, we don't have to like each other. That's the important thing, yeah. We don't have to like each other, but we'll both benefit from this. So let's cut the shit. Let's stop beating around the bush straight to the point sort of thing, which in that sort of corporate capitalist environment, that's kind of how things are done. Yeah. I just think it's very... Yeah, I just think it's very naive in, in Kendall's quote-unquote negotiating skills. Like, you find out what the other person wants and just give it to them, promise to them whether, whether you like it or not. Also, Logan is much uh, like a much better communicator in person. He knows how to charm. And- yeah, he's a real-life person. Remember, Kendall is is a PowerPoint slide person, like yeah. buzzwords person. What I'd say is, in public, I think Kendall is better than Logan. Logan mm-hmm. doesn't really... He's not sort of like... Well, he's sort of brash and grandiose, but he doesn't, when he, like, from what we've seen so far in public, like, for example, the hearings. Yeah, he knows the right things to say. He's always known the right things to say, Kendall. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kendall knows how to put on his show. Yeah, I mean. If Kendall was a ambassador for Bitcoin, he would do well. That's probably what, like, his real job should be. <laughs> um, <laughs> why, why Bitcoin? Well, these tweens from the, from the social network, the Winklevosses, he'd be one of them. Cause yeah, the like, Winklevoss. Winklevite, yeah. Are they ambassadors for for Bitcoin? Well, they've got like a, I think it's called Gemini's, like a Bitcoin exchange kind of thing. I did not know that. But yeah, like we said, so Kendall and Lurigan go to, they have to go meet this, one of the investors, Josh, at his private island. Josh Aronson, yeah. To, yeah, Josh Aronson to basically convince him that that everything, that, that he should stay with them. Right. And I think they think they're going to convince him that to stay with them. But I think he's really bringing them over to um, check them out. Yeah, to check them out. So he's like, okay, look, there's a problem here. I think his idea situation will be like, Kendall's like, okay, I'm done. I'm dropping my case. But that's not going to happen. But I think he wants to. And Adrian Brody, I was reading an interview and he mentioned this where he was like, he believes the character wanted to see, okay, how bad are things? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If, for example, Logan was to die t- today or whatever, have a from like how much does Kendall still care for his father? There's how mm-hmm. how much is Kendall still involved in, in investing in this company? It's like, okay, even if they can't come back to be best friends, like how dire the situation. I think so I think when I don't think it's the fact that like Logan suffers from heat exhaustion that kind of spooks him. I think it's more kind of Kendall's reaction to that. Like Kendall's immediate thing is obviously he tries to take care of him, but it's like, let me try and talk to Josh. Okay. Right. And I think that kind of like just like what, what what's going on here. Let me see if I can get um Adrian Brody's exact words. 
He sucks as well, the Josh Aronson guy. He's just yeah, but like everyone old... sucks in this world. We've, we've yeah, established just, that. Oh, deplorable. Just making an old man walk all the way for no reason whatsoever. Um, so, okay, so, so um, Adrian, British exact words were, Logan not taking a smart decision for his own well-being. This is like telling him to bring the cart and not doing the walk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Out of pride, provides insight into the potential self-destructive nature and blind spots by his ego or his need to project a sense of strength, even if he's not feeling it. And it's like he believes that Josh, this is what Josh is reading. Mm-hmm. And he says, like, as for Logan's condition, he's looking to see how Kendall reacts to that, he being Josh, and whether he's caring for his father or not. He knows where things are headed. I want to know if there's unity there or not. So he wants to know okay. if things go nuclear. Is there a unity in this? Or should I just rather just go with Sandy and Stewie and and do that? So like, yeah, I don't I don't think he like took because I've seen something on Twitter, like, oh he didn't take Logan on the walk so that <laughs> Logan can die. Like it was just it was I think it was part of the when when you physically break down somebody then they lose their, their mental barriers and then they become kind of their real self and you can read them better. And like, yeah. From the way he's dressed, you can see that he's prepared for this walk. Like he, he's, this is his environment. He he's like ready. A, like a proper rich guy, man. <laughs> the whole beanie and everything. Yeah, I think both of them fail. Logan fails by being too prideful and not asking to wait or to take the cart. And Kendall fails in his reaction to, to Logan. Which, I, I mean, it's not as if he let Logan die. He did help him, but he wasn't focused entirely on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think Waste Royco, do you think they're making a climate pledge? What 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 we say? Are they part of COP twenty six? Because this these guys <laughs> took two helicopters so they could take two planes. What is going on here? Two helicopters, two airplanes. <laughs> what is going on? Two cars as well. It's just yeah. I love the this is both from a character point of view and also like a writer and directing point of view. I love the cat and mouse that they kept on doing up to the point that they met in Josh's house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because obviously the, the writers know that we're excited to see these guys get back together. Right. Right. So they, they kept on pushing it. So like, is it going to be at the tarmac? No. <laughs> is it going to be at the other tarmac? No. And it's, I, I, I thought it was even too early for them to meet. But then I was like, oh, actually, this is halfway point of the season. This is episode four. There are only <laughs> nine episodes this season. So this is kind of like halfway, halfway point. Why are there only nine episodes this season? Why not ten? I don't know. I'm guessing that's probably COVID-related. Or maybe it's just like there's like nine episodes is what we need. Yeah, maybe. I mean, if nine episodes is what we need, then fair enough. Yeah, you don't have to make it ten. Yeah, I don't. Ten. I have no problem with it being nine. Like, this, I trust this guy. Whatever they want. If it was, if it was a five-episode season, I'll be angry about tickets. Like, I trust these guys. But yeah, I mean, it was just very funny. Like, one person has a plane and <laughs> Kendall. Kendall's pop culture references every episode. I'm just like, <laughs> like me beep, that's Roadrunner. I'm just uh, like, okay, okay, Kendall. Kendall fucking Roy. But yeah, I mean, this episode was was exciting because it gave us this new injection of energy with Adrian Brody's character. I don't know if he's coming back or not. I, I hope or assume he does. But I don't even think, because Adrian Brody, again, in the same interview, kind of alluded to this. I don't think, like, his character is fully on Stewie's side at the end of the episode. Like, I think he's... I think he's just sort of. I think he. I think he wants to see how things play out. Yeah, because he basically insults Stewie and Sandy earlier in the episode. Like I think he wanted to be with 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 Logan. Right. But he's now more open to listening to Stewie's point of view. Do you think? I personally think. Let me even ask a question. I personally think what Logan says to Kendall. Sorry, what Logan says to Josh about Kendall. I think that's him being. I think he means that. Oh, he's tricked you as well, hasn't he? No, no, no. I think he means he's tricked that. you badly. This thing, this thing about words in this show, 
words are it's all bullshit man it's all said for an advantage to gain an upper hand on people and i think logan has perfected throughout his experience logan says what the other person wants to hear mm-hmm. and that's why i think it was doing then i agree with you and that's what i just wanted to hear but i just also think that in that moment he realized that what he was saying might have been the truth and not only just reading the performance as in I think it's interesting that that comes immediately after he basically shouts at Shiv for not knowing the business and like not understanding the world. Rough episode for Shiv. <laughs> Very bad episode for Shiv. Anyway, but like, so he don't, first of all, he says, I like him or rather he says everything will be okay. And he's like, I love him. And he could stop there, but then he's like, he starts saying about like, maybe to be him one day. I, I don't think he's like going to give Kendall the job. I'm just saying, that I think in that moment he means that. He did what he thought was best. I think he went too far, but. He's a good kid. Yeah. He's a good kid. And I love him. I mean, there'll be a big number. We'll pay. He'll mew and cry. And and I'll get it. It'll all be okay. And maybe it'll be him one day. It's in his blood. He learned it all from me. Maybe, maybe he's the best one of all of them. Do you know who also thinks he means that? Who? Brian Cox. Really? Yeah, I, uh, in the featurette for the episode, he was like, he believes that, that that Logan means that as well. But anyway, no, but like, I mean, it's open to the interpretation. I don't think, like, I'm, it's not as if, like, even Logan then later says that he just says, you say whatever you need to say to, <laughs> to get fucked on the date. And what hmm, could that is, man? And I think, but I think that's that's Logan using crudeness to be defensive about the one time that he might have actually been so actually being genuine about it and honest. Yeah, and I think it, the timing cannot be that like he comes like after shave. He comes at the middle point of their hike. They've already hiked. So he's obviously sweating. And I think it's just not the point where I think the truth just comes out. But are you a big hiker? Am I white? <laughs> um, I'm not like, what am I doing hiking? Please. Um, Big Logan racism this episode. He was racist a lot this episode. He's like, was it the quadruple double, isn't it? So racism, misogyny, anti-Semitism, and homophobia. Just, was it Connor? So like, no Jews, no blacks, and no women above above the fourth floor. Above the fourth floor. Yeah, Connor says that. And then obviously he does the whole anti-Semitic, like, microaggressions to Josh. Was it with the bagels and stuff, isn't it? The bagel and gold, yeah. Jesus, man. Which I didn't even clock. I I just thought he was talking about in New York. I didn't clock until, like, Kendall mentions it. And then there's the thing where he's like, I would rather, I can't even say the word, where he was like, I would rather get fucked by blank in the prison showers than give it to you. Are you going to sort of play the clip here? I don't or? think I'm going to play the clip. <laughs> but like, it was basically a derogatory word for a um, Latin American, a Hispanic person. So it was a lot. It was a lot of, <laughs> of Logan's racism in this episode. And it's just interesting how like, I don't know, these, these writers always pick the right times to bring up things like this. And it's just, it's just very mm-hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Beatles, good band or great band? Um... Uh, great band. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really enjoyed uh, <laughs> critical music critic Logan Roy. <laughs> Logan was like, eh, good band. Great band. 
<laughs> Hello, after playing um, Nirvana last week and then calling hmm. the Beatles the great band, I don't know if he's... Played Beastie Boys, in the, like, like the first scene we've seen it, we see, isn't it? When he's in the car. Beastie Boys as well, yeah. Maybe, maybe he should work at Pitchfork. Yeah, do you have anything you want to say from this island before we leave the island? That Josh um, uh, Aronson guy is a sleazy guy, man. He was just, like, the whole fact that he had to make two rich people come all the way to him. I think he was just like... Oh, just we, like, haven't, we haven't mentioned that he lied. Abusing his power, man. It's like, oh, my, my daughter is ill. It's like, oh, my, my daughter, she was, in the, she was sleeping in bed an hour ago. The problem is that, do, do you know why he's actually sleazy? You're right. Because he could have, like, if he wanted, he could have told his daughter to stay in. But he wanted them to see his daughter out so that yeah. they would know that he lied. I'm just like, well done. Well done, Josh. Well done. Mate, sleazy guys, man. I wonder how big that island is, man. Would you want to own an island? It's like a little stress. I think it might as well pick up work. Mm. But it's not the worst thing to own. I wouldn't mind owning an island. <laughs> it's not the worst Do you know who else own an island? Who? <laughs> Check probably should <laughs> on this. Uh... Who? Wow. You have to bleep that bit out, by the way. Please. I'm not. Beyonce has an island too. <laughs> um, okay, so let's let's leave the island quickly. And just quickly, very quickly, just... Back to the city. Yeah, what's, what's going on in New York? Um, tattoo man. <laughs> I mean, that would definitely not come back to be important. Um... Is there a price? Do you have a price for you to tattoo someone's initials on What's your forehead? What's my hmm. Probably. Why that guy should have squeezed him a little bit more, man. I know he's homeless and stuff, but like they're offering him. I don't one think million. he's too homeless, though. No, no. Do you have a price to put the tattoo on your head now? Right now? Oh, yeah. Hundred million. You would do for hundred million? I guess the price has to be a price that I never have to work again because you can't get That's a job. The thing, yeah, because what is it? It reduces your employment opportunities. <laughs> By a lot. Because By he doesn't have that terrible haircut, even though he's removed it. <laughs> I think he probably I think he probably sold it for like 1.5 in the end, like the picture. Mm. That's an embarrassing picture. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, it was 1.5. He was homeless a few years back. How long do you reckon he blows all that, um, all that money? Well, he looks to be... A lot more reasonable now, so maybe right, maybe okay. he, he has a lawyer. He has a white lawyer. Maybe maybe you'll be better. Maybe you're better with it now. Don't trust black lawyers, eh? And I'm supposed to be the racist one. I also don't trust black lawyers. Well, but he said, said yeah, he's got a white lawyer. So what are you? Yeah, because if a white lawyer is taking the case, then it means I'm like asking, I'm just asking what you're he's inferring. reputable. Because black lawyers are wholesome, and we do and black lawyers do it for bad people. No, not bad people. For <laughs> black lawyers do it for. <laughs> Was a Tyler Perry pretty a good black lawyer, didn't he? Yeah, I'm gone girl. In what? Oh, gone girl. Yeah. Um. Anyway, okay. Is Kendall's middle name Logan? Because it was K L R, wasn't it? Oh, I mean, it could be right because you feel like he would have given it to Connor. Yeah. Maybe it's Leroy. <laughs> <laughs> Leroy. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like? Oh, do you feel like Jerry's just? <laughs> Like, at the end of it, I think Roman should... Like, that would have obviously compromised his position as well, but everything that he's telling to Jerry, she could just use that to her advantage. Oh, no, but I don't... I think she's right, though. I don't think that... That, that doesn't work for Roman anyway. Roman was there. No, no, it doesn't. How does that help you? 
as a last resort spot him. It just comes to like this um thing. Uh, it just comes to Jerry for like every single piece of advice that I feel like she could. If just you be... are Roman, okay. If you are Roman, who would you trust the most in that building? But the thing's like I don't even know. Maybe yeah. But if you had to trust somebody, who would you trust in that building? Probably yeah. I guess Jerry. But like at the same time, yes, Jerry's exactly. Just, so like Jerry is looking out for herself as well, isn't she? Yeah, but like let's be honest, Jerry's still. It's in Jerry's best interest to be good to Roman because in the end, Roman is still hard and Jerry. Roman is a kid. He's one of the children. Like, he's still hard and Jerry in the end. Like, Roman can't be fired. Jerry can't be fired. <laughs> well, just very quickly, very quickly. Greg, hmm. now, whenever people ask me to have a drink, I'm just like, of alcohol? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> it's 9 a.m. of alcohol. Do you think how many weeks do you reckon Greg would have survived in like the Mad Men universe? When they were all like smoking and drinking, oh, by like ten in the morning. Ter- no, terribly. It would have, have done well at all. It could not survive in the sixties, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I don't know how you didn't see. Like that guy is not old enough to be drinking in the sixties. Greg is mad, man. I watched Mad Men, by the way. Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, I'm currently on a on a keto diet, so those those <laughs> pastries in Greg's office really did look incredible. <laughs> so I what is a keto diet? What does that entail then? What are you eating? What are you not eating? Um, carbs. So you eat mostly proteins and fats. So no carbs or sugars. So hold on. If I come to when I come to London end of the month and I say we're going out, would you be like, oh, keto diet? Maybe I'll make that. I'll make that a cheat day. Okay, 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 okay. But like, so you don't eat carbs. You eat like sugars, natural as well. So like fruits and stuff like that. Do you sort of like complement that with like you know cardio and stuff like running? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm not just, I'm not just torturing myself not eating food, but <laughs> I'm not going to the gym as well. Trying to get that summer body. No, no, no. That's the thing. That's, that's already too late. That's already happened. No, next summer, innit? So we're kind of aiming for the, yeah, but we're aiming for the surprise reveal. Jeez. The, Hide your daughters. That one's like all winter, your wearing coats and everything. And then the winter is over <laughs> and then you're like, bam, this is my new body surprise reveal. That's what we're trying to do now. Um... Greg taking wasters off. I mean, I wanted to point out that it's interesting that like we never see Greg say he's taking the offer. We only hear other people say that Greg has taken the offer. Well, he signed the um, lawyer's stuff, hasn't he? We didn't see him sign it, no. No, but they said he signed it. He doesn't have to, have to say it. It might just be me reading too much. Maybe they just didn't have an extra scene. Right. But my point is that like, every time we hear about Greg and the offer, someone else is saying that he's agreed. Not even that he's signed, just that like he's part of the defense. Right. Okay. So it might be me reading. I just sort of assumed that it was a. Uh, just sort of assumed that, like, I think because Shift said he signed it. So I just thought. It was yeah, because Tom tells her that he signed it. Right? Right. So I don't know. Hmm. It's probably just me reading into it. It's That's an interesting reading. one. Also, like, Kendall seemed very confident. He was like, we'll see. He seemed very confident. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Um, but him taking Wasters offer is a is a big blow to to Ewan and and Pew's plan to take down capitalism. Yeah, man, it's weird because there's still five episodes left in this season, and it's like because I think the annual the AGM shareholder meeting is supposed to be next episode. Bro, that shareholder meeting they've been talking about it for seven episodes. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for it. It better be it better be worth it. And that's supposed to be I think it's supposed to be like the next episode of the episode after that. So. And if it's next episode, there's still four episodes after. Yeah, what I mean, the hell is going to happen? In we mentioned this episodes? last week where it's not really like a candle wins, Logan loses. Because now this is a new, this is a new, this is a new status quo. Like if if Stewie wins, then 
what's the whole point? Both Kendall and Logan are out. Exactly. Like, so, all this is just for nothing. Before we leave here, just quickly, let's talk about Terminal Tom. That guy, pray for Tom, man. Tom is <laughs> going through it. Tom is is having a breakdown, and I feel so bad for this guy. <laughs> He's going through it. Like, the fact that he was earnestly looking through a binder of the prisons, trying to rank them, is so wild, so funny, and so depressing. I'm just like, oh my god, this guy is actually going through it. Like, that moment with, with Greg, when he realized that Greg doesn't need his help, and his, he tells the story of um, Neros and Soros, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. I never heard of that um, mythology before this Yeah, episode, no, like yeah. Disney, when are we getting the live action film? That was like... I loved when Greg said, I've never, I'm not familiar with that IP. That IP. That was just fucking uh, But yeah, it was like, it was like I'll, I'll castrate you and marry you in a heartbeat. And I'm like, oh. Nero pushed his wife down the stairs and uh, then he had Sporus castrated and he married him instead and he gave him a ring and he made him dress up like his dead wife wow plot twist didn't see that coming yeah I bought a book on the Romans to read in prison it's a big book well, is, it, is it a good book it's a decent book yeah I'd castrate you and marry you in a heartbeat Are you okay, Tom? What was that dynamic about? Was it sort of Tom realised that he's going to jail and Greg is going to be going or sort of Tom realised that he's going to miss Greg more than his wife? I think, yeah, I think he's realising that maybe Greg is more important in his life than maybe his wife. Right. He would miss Greg more, probably loves Greg more than he loves his own wife. I think that's part of it. So why does he yank the thing down? The coat hanger. Because he's angry now. Greg is like, uh, Greg kind of sounds like, no, I'm, I don't want to like play wrestle with you and everything. Because another thing I, or my other um, take from that scene was he was supposed to convince Greg to basically sign the papers for the lawyers. But I think it had already been sorted between him, between Greg and Logan slash shit no 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 so greg had already he basically he went to talk to greg right and then he was like okay greg, greg let, let's game this out so he thought he was going to be like give his expertise and kind of help greg but greg had already figured right. out himself and he's i think he kind of felt oh okay i'm kind of all right so he tried to push greg about but greg was like no 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 i think he just tried to he tried to genuinely talk to greg about it like like how do we plan this but greg had already planned out in his head so he was like oh you actually don't need my help like i'm basically ineffective here Right, because I thought it was like because with the scene previously with Shiv, um, he sort of there was the whole um corporate governance sort of like chart mm-hmm. and how he's like right below her and stuff and how he feels quite emasculated, like your wife is fucking yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think he's realizing he's feeling like he's not effective anywhere. Like Shiv is bossing him around, and even when he comes back to to Greg, and he couldn't boss Greg, Greg around this time. No, no, no. Even when he goes to Greg. Like, on a normal, cordial point of view, mm-hmm. Greg has already figured out, Caleb doesn't need his help. Greg already knows what he needs to do. Right. Okay. And he already has a great plan. So it's like, so I oh, thought it was more of like, he couldn't boss Greg around this time. No, I don't think so. I don't think he was trying to Greg. I think he would generally was like, from, that's why I got yeah, I think he was generally bit. like, let's, let's game this out. Let's, what's the perfect plan? And Greg already had the perfect plan. So I was like, oh shit, you don't actually need my help. So, and then he tried to kind of play with Greg and Greg was like, what are you doing? Stop. And shouted and then, 
Tom was like, why are you shouting at me? And then he tried to bust him again. That's how I read it, chat. Uh, but yeah, Terminal Tom, cancer of the career. That's incredible. He's <laughs> writing, man. Incredible. So I know, obviously, I've said before that I'm neither Team Kendall or Team Logan. I'm just here for the chaos. But mm-hmm. I might be Team Stewie. Like, <laughs> I might be here for Ariane Moyed and like, because if him and Josh are on the same team, maybe I'm, maybe I'm Team Stewie now. We also didn't even mention that Sandy Finesse named his daughter Sandy Finesse. Sandy. That's such like a rich guy thing to do, isn't it? Oh my God. What do you think? Should we, should we just go to Team Stewie? Well, you like him though. You like you like Stewie, don't you? I, he needs more. I, I really like him. Yeah, he needs more scenes, man. Like, yeah, he does I know it's like scenes. a family thing, but it's just I need more Stewie scenes, man. I really like that character and that actor. Yeah, I was very sad when I saw that he'd been dropped to a guest starring role this season. Which yeah, less, exactly. Less I thought it'd be like more of a main character, especially as the whole what his takeover plot is. I mean, well, it's interesting that he's like he's guest starring in the opening credits, not guest starring yeah. in the end credits. I guess it's still like he's he's your version of. Of um, power of the dog, he's not honorable mention, but he's not in top it's five. Just a- <laughs> <laughs> he's number six. <laughs> See, that's podcasting. I put everything back. Um, Bringing it full circle. Should we talk about Kerry quickly? So Kerry is the woman with with Logan. Very quickly, it's just interesting that she's getting screen time now. I don't know. Like, I saw her a couple of times in season two. What she did this episode, that could have been Carolina. I don't know if there's going to be some larger story with her. Like, Logan seems very friendly with her when he gave her Did she say a word in this episode or she just sort of like... Yeah, no, because she was on the phone with Kendall. Ah, right. Because I just remember, like, her laughing at the president going off on her. If this was House of Cards, I would say they would have an affair. (laughs) House of Cards. I don't think that would happen. Quickly, on Jess' watch, Jess has to do rabbit FaceTime with the kids. I don't know why Kendall bought a rabbit for his kids and then... Well, his kids wanted a rabbit, isn't it? Why isn't he in Robert's apartment? I guess Robert was like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> Robert would not allow that. Robert's in our apartment. Yeah, it's sort of like that thing is like, oh, I won't ask, I won't ask my mom, I'll ask my dad instead. My- yeah. Just gets more lines and we always appreciate You that. always, I don't understand this like whole Jess funny thing, but I just, I just sort of like nod ahead like, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I think you don't like black women to understand. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is cool. Anyway, okay. Do you have any final thoughts on Succession? I feel like every episode is like the best episode ever. <laughs> it just keeps on going off and off and off and off. I'll see some tweets like this is like my f- favorite episode, like on the on the bird app on the Twitter, and that like, this is the best episode ever. So like it's like the house bubble. It, it just goes up, up, up. Yeah, up, I mean, up. yeah, I think this is my weakest out of the four episodes, but it's still like in nine point seven. If that makes it's sense, still like, fucking top stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I loved one, two, three more, but I still like. This is still better than most things we're going to see on TV this year or next year. Anyway, I think that's it. We don't have any final thoughts, do we? That's it. We've... Yeah, I think that's it, I think. So this episode was obviously titled Lion in the Meadow, which I think was a reference. I think um, Adrian Brody's character ever said as a reference to Logan. Mm-hmm. And yeah, man, that's it. Next, next episode, you're not going to be here next week. I'm not going to be here next week, yeah. So next week, I'm going to talk about episode five. The Retired Janitors of Idaho. That's a title. <laughs> with a guest. And me and the guest are also going to talk about... Ooh, Jesus. My English teacher, my father, would hate that. The guest and I are going to talk about the premiere of Mayor of Kingston. I hope you guys watched that. Well, let's check out the premiere. Let's see. Maybe something something new for us to talk about. Obi, you're going to watch the premiere, aren't you? Yeah, probably will. I hope it's not like True Detective Season 2. 
No, no, I, don't, I think it's a lot more kinetic than that. I think it's a lot more actually than that. Kinetic, fucking hell. And for now, shout out to my co-host, Obira Georgia Fiatra. Oi, oi, oi. Shout out to our producers, Ibuka Namani, and our social producer, Chindri Heji. Shout out to you guys for listening. Shout out to Succession for being great. And shout out to TV, man. Well, what do you have to say? What was I going to say? I thought you were going to shout out Aaron Rodgers. No, I was going to say, oh gosh, they haven't fucking started. <laughs> tough, tough weekend for me, man. <laughs> oh my oh gosh. My Everyone just Google Aaron Rodgers and just see what we're talking about. That's obvious. It's tough. Quarterback. Well, yeah, he was the boy before, but now it's just a fucking clown. Wow, Fico. This is, this is what they're saying. The, the, the cancel culture mob, according to what Dr. Johnson. I don't want to get into that, actually. If you're getting your medical advice from Joe Rogan, you need to. Yeah, Jesus. Anyway, look, let's not, let's not get into that. By the way, before we go, what's like your snack in the cinema? What do you usually have? Um, I go with my own popcorn. Wow. And when I used to be a lot more decadent, I would go with like, that being maybe sometimes two weeks ago, but I would go with like my own donuts. What's your donuts? Is it jam or custard? Jam. <sighs> it's look, custard is bottom tier. It's jam. Custard is top tier shit. It's jam, then a large gap, chocolate, then a large gap, then custard. Why is custard? I don't want to get into this. Please, I don't want to get into it. It makes no sense. Such a one of those things that I've never understood. But second to this country, there's nothing for custard to be in a donut. Ah. Uh. Why? Why did you? Okay, what's your one go-to snack? Myself is ice blast. You know the ice blast slushy thing. Yeah, but what do you eat? Oh, uh, what do I eat? I have like sweet popcorn, and I usually buy like milk buttons. Wait, you buy the popcorn it. from the from the cinema? Yeah. Oh my god, rich boys here. Sweet popcorn, and I get like milk buttons, and I pour it in the popcorn and mix it up. Oh, it's I did like, that with Maltesers. It's like injecting yourself with like with sugar. With sugar, man, it's insane. You buy popcorn from the from the cinema. This is I like my like warm popcorn. Man. <laughs> this is wow. This is you need to start sponsoring boys. Anyway, join me next week when we'll be joined by <laughs> Oscar winner, BAFTA winner, and incredible. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> Daniel Kaluuya. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's see on the right path here. Bye, guys. <laughs>